all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Thanks for tuning in today. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me today is Dr. Elena Dent. She is also a faculty member in the Department of Preventive Medicine and is a registered dietitian. And we're going to be talking nutrition today because it's March 1st and March is National Nutrition Month. It is my most favorite of all the health-related month awarenesses just because I love nutrition and I love talking with registered dietitians. If you have a question or a comment for us, you can give us a call. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email us fit at mpbonline.org, or you can go over to Facebook and join us there at Healthy Habits with Josie. Good morning, Elena. Good morning, Dr. Bidwell. Nice to talk with you today. It is. It is. I know you get as excited about uh, National Nutrition Month as I do, probably maybe even more so. Yes, <laughs> probably, but maybe just, just a little bit. Uh oh, I think we might have lost Elena for a second. So I will soldier on as we work to get her back on the line. But you guys know how much I love nutrition and I love talking to you guys about nutrition and answering your nutrition nutrition questions because it can be such a, a sticky topic with a lot of misinformation out there across the uh, across the interwebs. Um, And so we want to make sure about really good factual information so that you can make an informed decision about how to best uh, choose a nutrition pattern that will meet your needs. And, you know, we talk about um, plant-based nutrition a lot on this show, and we will continue to kind of talk about plant-based nutrition some today as well. But we'll explore kind of all the realms of, um, of nutrition and see how that goes. So what I first want to talk about is what um, the messaging around National Nutrition Month is this year. Every um, every year, uh, the uh, Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which is uh, kind of the governing body for registered dietitians, puts out um, a, a set of information for folks to use. And so this year's message for National Nutrition Month is personalize your plate. 
uh, and I've got a picture of that graphic over on my Facebook page that you can take a look at. Um, with, uh, I'll be posting some tips um, pretty regularly throughout the month with kind of the key messaging that we're trying to make sure people um, get uh, used to uh, hearing and feel comfortable incorporating into um, the, uh, your diet. But there are some important things that we need to talk about, and that is that there's no kind of one-size-fits-all approach um, to nutrition and health. Um, while plant-based nutrition and the notion that we need to eat more plants is absolutely grounded in science, we have to uh, help people adapt a dietary pattern that is um, something that is doable and sustainable for them. And no one can disagree with the fact that we need more fruits and vegetables. All right, I think we might have Dr. Gent back on the line. Elena, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? I can. I'm so glad to have you back. Yes. Sorry, technical <laughs> difficulties, right? Story of that, that's time. all right. That's all right. So I was just kind of catching everybody up on the kind of the theme for this year's National Nutrition Month in personalizing your plate. But let's take a yes. step back and um, talk about what, um, what a registered dietitian nutritionist is, because that's a um, a topic that people get confused about, and we want to make sure that people are getting their nutrition information from the right folks. So tell me what an RDN is. Sure. So a registered uh, dietitian and nutritionist um, are a food and nutrition expert. So we can translate recommendations from, you know, sources like the Dietary Guidelines, um, and evidence-based um, research in a way that can help people, no matter your age um, or your status, help you find kind of a healthy eating plan that works best for you, taking into account your health and medical history, your preferences, your um, cultural, um, you know, preferences. And so um, to, you know, as a registered dietitian nutritionist, we are um, – are required to, you know, sit for a board's exam after we um, go through the degree process and internship process, and then we're required to keep up with um, continuing education hours. So, you know, we can really provide that um, confidence that you're, you know, when you work with a registered dietitian nutritionist, we're not, you know, making these recommendations up. Uh, we have been trained and um, and used, like I said, evidence-based scientific recommendations and research to help you navigate all the nutrition information out there. So, yeah, absolutely. And so it's a little different than just a nutritionist. Um, a nutritionist sure. may not necessarily have the kind of the uh, coursework as well as that board certification that you were were talking about. So, right. you know, not saying that nutritionists can't give out great information, but, you Correct. know, the expert is always going to be that registered dietitian nutritionist. And as much as right. I love nutrition and as much as I use nutrition in my daily practice, um, I still bring uh, bring you guys on board and defer to you um, when making individualized um, nutrition prescriptions uh, for folks. Right. Because y'all are right. wearing that. 
and it used to, you know, historically it used to be that, especially in Mississippi, anybody could, you know, call themselves a nutritionist. So, you know, like you said, when you're working with a registered dietitian nutritionist, that just ensures that, you know, we're not, we didn't randomly, you know, kind of come up with whatever we think is a good idea at the time. So, um, uh, yeah, the, you know, the licensure laws are there really hopefully to protect um, not just us, but really the public to ensure they're getting the correct information. Absolutely. All right, we've got a caller on the line. We're going to go to Beaumont and talk with Sue. Good morning, Sue. I hope you're doing well. Yes, thank you. Good morning to you. I've often wondered, and maybe you can explain, how do uh, vegetarians get their uh, B vitamins? Because I know when you eat protein, when you eat meat, that your your digestive enzyme, enzymes in your stomach work on the meat to extract B vitamins. Isn't that so? Yes, ma'am, absolutely. So I'll kind of go from from my experience with um, being vegetarian or, or eating predominantly plants is most of the B vitamins, with the exception of vitamin B12, um, can be uh, gotten from plant sources. Um, so vitamin B12 is usually uh, that and vitamin D are the two supplemented vitamins with um, with a vegetarian or a plant-based diet. Now, there are lots of foods that have been kind of enriched with B12, like the, um, the plant milk that I use on, you know, in my coffee and on my cereal um, has added B12 to it there. Um, as well as things like nutritional yeast also is high in B12 um, and is added to things to give it kind of a cheesy-like flavor. Uh, but I do take a B12 um, supplement. Elena, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think that's a, a great um, question that the caller brings up. And, you know, from a vegetarian standpoint, if you are vegetarian that still consumes dairy products, um, you know, eggs, can be a great source of uh, B12. Um, and, you know, other dairy products such as, you know, cheese can be a good source of B12. But if you are avoiding dairy, then the sources that um, Dr. Bidwell mentioned, just like that nutritional yeast or fortified food. So you can find it in fortified cereals, um, fortified tofu, um, and, you know, yogurt. Um, and, you know, some some water sometimes are fortified with it. But, um you know, I would encourage if you're not sure that you're getting enough of it, if, if you're following a strict vegetarian or vegan diet, then I would recommend that um, supplement, uh, supplementing that in vitamin D, like Dr. Bidwell said. Absolutely, absolutely. And you can always ask for a check at your healthcare provider's office as well. And kind of check what your B12 level is, see how that's going, um, and determine whether you need any supplementation. Um, there. So, great question, Sue. Thank you so much yeah, for giving us a call. Right, and especially as we, we get older, it's harder to absorb the B12 that we receive. So, if you, you know, are an older individual and you don't eat very, you know, many animal-based products, I'll, you know, that's definitely another reason to kind of talk to your provider about getting that level checked, too. That is a great point, Elena, and it, it reminds me of um, metformin which is, of course, a very common medication that people take for type 2 diabetes, among some other things, but really are working on that insulin resistance. And after being on metformin for a little while, it can impair the absorption of B12 as well. 
And so um, sometimes folks that have had diabetes for a little while and have been on metformin for a while may um, may be deficient in B12 as well, even if they are um, not a plant-based eater um, just with impaired absorption from that. So it's all great points there. But if you have a concern about your B12 level, just speak to your healthcare provider and let them know. They'll probably ask you some questions um, that would point toward a, a B12 deficiency, things like fatigue, because it can cause an anemia, um, or numbness or tingling, um, uh, odd sensations in your tongue, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. And joining me today is Dr. Elena Dent, registered dietitian, also at UMMC. And we're both in the Department of Preventive Medicine, so we get the pleasure of working with each other. Well, I say a pleasure on my part. It is a pleasure to work with Dr. Dent in helping to take care of our patients in lifestyle medicine at UMMC. Well, it's a mutual feeling. Oh, well. And I didn't even pay her to say that, you guys. Um, (laughs) We've been talking about National Nutrition Month because that occurs every March. And last year, um, we had some pretty cool things planned for National Nutrition Month. And, of course, that's when um, COVID really started to to kick up here in Mississippi. And we had to put some of those things on hold. But I've got some some good plans for this year, at least through a virtual uh, platform be able to get uh, get information out to everyone. And so this year's National Nutrition Message is Personalize Your Plate, and there's lots of good information that you can find about um, National Nutrition Month at eatright.org, which is the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics webpage. Um, we have a comment come in on Facebook, well, actually a question come in on Facebook this morning from Carlos. He says, what healthy foods should diabetics avoid or eat in moderation? What do you think there, Dr. Dent? Okay, let me make sure I heard the question. What healthy foods should diabetics avoid or eat in moderation? Yeah, and the healthy is kind of in quotes, like what are things that yeah, yeah, appear yeah. to be healthy but might not be? Right, right. I gotcha. Okay. Um, you know, one food that is, you know, healthy that I that comes across, and I believe we talked about this the last time we um, did the show together, uh, are fruits, which, you know, we all think of fruits as healthy, um, but I encounter patients that sometimes are, that have diabetes that are scared to eat fruit um, because they're, you know, it, it will affect your blood sugar. Um, but I think we, you know, like we talked about last time, it's still a much, much better source, and I'd rather you eat fruit than 
some processed version that we think of, you know, as a healthy, like a, a healthy protein or breakfast bar, quote unquote, right? Um, that says it's got a lot of fiber in it, this, that, and the other. Um, and I say, you know, I don't think just diabetics need to avoid all those highly processed um, foods that are pushed out as healthy. Um, you know, we always promote that you get those through whole food sources, but it's really a good recommendation for anybody, right? Whether you have diabetes or overweight or just want to be healthy. Um, so I, I would say, you know, towards his point of, or his question, it's really trying to avoid those highly processed foods that are labeled or, you know, marketed in a way that we think that they're healthy. So I, I see this a lot with like breakfast bars, protein bars. Yeah. For sure. And It'll shakes. say, you know, great source of protein on the front. And it it may be a good source of protein, but it, what it's packaged right. with may not be so great. And right. probably, yeah, the one that comes to mind for me that, and not just people that have diabetes, but people in general that, you know, would absolutely say this is a, a healthy food, but depending on what your health goals are, probably shouldn't be a regular part of your diet is fruit juice. Um, yeah. You know, a lot, a lot, a lot of patients that I work with um, kind of have swapped from soda maybe to juice. Mm -hmm. And kudos for getting rid of the soda. Absolutely. I'm not saying go back to that. But if our goal maybe is um, blood sugar control, or weight loss, then consuming a, a large quantity of juice is not really going to help get those goals either. Um, you know, right. juice, it's still got the vitamins and minerals in things, but it doesn't have that fiber. And right. so you can drink a lot of juice in a very yep. short amount of time. You know, in just a, you know, oh, 20 yeah. seconds, you can down a cup of, of juice. Um, yeah. Whereas and if you were going to eat that same quantity of carbohydrates and calories in an actual piece of fruit, you wouldn't probably be able to eat that amount of fruit before you were full. Uh, right. We were, For sure. You know, I was doing a, a little experiment like that with one of our preventive medicine residents the other day, and we looked up, you know, how many calories um have are in uh you know maybe 12 ounces of orange juice and how many you know grams of carbohydrates are in that and how many grams of fiber and then look at the equivalent of um how many oranges you would have to eat and it was somewhere in the neighborhood of three oranges you would need to eat to right. get that same quantity right. of calories and carbohydrates um there and most folks would are not going to sit down and eat three whole oranges you would kind of fill up before you got to that point and so that's why the kind of the whole fruit is better than the fruit juice now we did have a yeah. comment that just came in it said if you enjoy juice would using the lower sugar ones help trop 50 is one brand that comes to mind um yeah. so what are your thoughts on, on that elena so my thought is you know sure if you you know if you enjoy juice Definitely, you know, if you like the, the lower um, sugar or lower calorie one, you know, that's fine. But I still encourage people to think of it like they would a so or still a regular soda or sweet tea, right? Um, uh -huh. the, even if it says, you know, this is organic or all natural. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that it's, you know, if 
consuming the lower calorie or lower, lower sugar version, if you're willing to kind of switch to that or if you enjoy that, that's great. But still think of it as, okay, I need to watch the amount because this is still just, you know, really a, a lots of sugar that I've lost all the fiber from. So, yeah. And I just pulled up the kind of ingredient label on Chop 50 because I know it was sweetened with something. I was trying to see what it was. And the, the label yeah. just says purified stem leaf extract i'm assuming that is a stevia leaf um so like a rebiana type of leaf so truvia uh-huh. those kinds of things um so it's still an added sweetener um not as you know not like a um nutra sweet or aspartame or anything like that so that doesn't offend me that much um you know still yeah. about the serving size of juice that you need about four ounces which is not right. not a ton it's a half a glass and so what I usually right. tell people to do is if you really enjoy juice and you really want some, then, you know, stop at that four ounces. But I dilute mine because I enjoy juice as right. well. Dilute mine yeah. out with sparkling water. Um, and so it's almost like a little mocktail, um, you know, gives yep. a little bit more interest there and stretches those calories out a little bit. And just not an everyday kind of thing. Right. I completely agree. I encourage people to do that as well. Fantastic. All right. So there are new nutritional guidelines out, right? And the guidelines are updated about yes. every five years, right? Yes. Yes, ma'am. You are correct. So this year, uh, you know, for those that aren't familiar, there there's um, a dietary guidelines that come out, like uh, Dr. Bidwell said, about every five years. And this is based on a lot, a lot of um, research from decades ago plus all the new research um, related to, you know, food and nutrition and its impact on our health and overall well-being. So this year, um, or the guidelines that came out most recently, um, really kind of um, focused, or the main takeaways for me um, for adults um, are were really the sugar category, saturated fat, and sodium consumption. Now there yeah. were, you know, some other recommendations that were or guidelines that came out as far as um, for infants and, um, you know, introducing um, a certain aller- allergen likely foods. But um, I, I'd say for the majority of us, it is, you know, from a sugar standpoint, it really re- uh, focused and is recommended on, you know, making sure that your added sugars don't make up more than 10% of your daily intake. And so, you know, a challenging thing with these recommendations is that they come out and, you know, I can say, oh, yeah, make sure your sugar, you know, you have less than 10% of your total calories from sugar. But a lot of people are going to be like, what, what does that even mean? What does that look like, right? right? <laughs> um, so, you know, on, the, on our nutrition labels, which hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about, but there's um, based on... 2,000 calories a diet, so very just standard across the board. If you were to consume 2,000 calories a day, then the recommendation of less than 10% of your calories from um, added sugars would be about 50 grams of sugar or less. So if somebody wanted a number to go by, um, you know, shoot for less than 50 grams of those added sugars per day. And then the same is true with – I'm sorry. No, go ahead. And then – and another uh, recommendation was with saturated fats. So saturated fats are those fats that I uh, we think of as kind of S for solid, so solid at room temperature. 
And these are um, fats that typically come from um, animal sources. So that pretty marbling on the steak that you have or the fat that we get from butter um, or cheeses, like I said, any, you know, from those animal sources. The recommendation is also to try to consume less than 10% of your total calories from saturated fat. So again, what does that look like? Well, if you're, you know, following an average of 2,000 calorie a day diet, that translates to, you know, ideally less than 20, 22 grams of saturated fat per day. And so I usually encourage people, you know, don't get stuck on trying to counter add all these numbers. Um, but, you know, you want that number to be really hopefully as low as possible, right, but within reason. Um, and the, the labels have done the updated, for those of you that aren't aware, the nutrition label has recently been updated. And so at the label the newest version of the label will reflect some of these recommendations from uh, the dietary guidelines for Americans. And so one of those is with, um, with fats and saturated fats. Um, you can look at that percentage on the label, and this is true not, for, not only for saturated fats, but also for um, the sugar content or the cholesterol, that ideally that would have less than 5% um, that the percentage number would be less than five. Um, so, you know, again, I don't think it's necessary to be trying to count all your fat or saturated fat grounds, um, but to just kind of be aware of when I look at this label, how, how can I determine if this is uh, a better choice or not? I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for joining us today on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me today is Dr. Elena Dent. And we're diving into the new nutritional guidelines that are released for 2020 slash 2025 or through 2025, as well as uh, celebrating our love of National Nutrition Month. If you have a question or a comment for us, you can give us a call, 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464. You can email fit at mpbonline.org or hop on over to Facebook to Healthy Habits with Josie and interact with me over there. Um, so before the break, we kind of briefly mentioned the nutrition label. And I know that that is a focus, actually, of um, National Tr Nutrition Month, which is learning how to read the nutrition facts panels. Um, and I couldn't agree more. It seems like 
you know, a rather basic skill, but it can get pretty complicated, especially when the front of the package is so flashy, like, choose me. I am so healthy for you. Um, I know, right? (laughs) Marketing, somebody gets paid a lot of money to make that package confusing and pretty. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. Or, you know, it makes big, bold claims on the front. Um, You know, it may say eight grams of whole grains or whatever. Well, I mean, is that an appropriate amount of whole grains? And what all is it coming with? Because a lot of our sugary cereals will say that on the front. Um, And so there may be whole grain in there, but there may also be a whole bunch of other goo in there that we don't necessarily want in our bodies. So what, um, you know, what should we be looking at on the nutrition panel? Sure. So first and foremost, I just encourage people, if you don't typically look at the panel, let's make sure you know where it is, okay, or what we're talking about. (laughs) So this is that usually black and white box that's on either the side or the back of the package most often. And it's got all these numbers on there, which can be very overwhelming and consuming uh, and confusing. So I encourage people to, if you don't typically look at these, start with identifying what the serving size is on the label. Okay, so when in doubt, always look at that serving size first, because that's what all of the numbers on the label um, are referring to with whatever that serving size is. So, for example, if you were eating are going to drink um, some of that juice, right? And you found this 100% all-natural, organic, whatever juice. And you look at the serving size, and it says 8 ounces, okay? That's what all the numbers on that label are going to apply to is if you just just drink 8 ounces. But we all know that those bottles aren't just 8 ounces, right? There's probably multiple 8-ounce servings within that bottle. So first and foremost, it comes with what the serving size is and identify if that's what you're actually eating. Um, And then moving forward on the label, you know, you can always look at calories if that's something that uh, is important to you. And the new label now has the calories that are a bolder, kind of larger type, as well as the serving size to emphasize, you know, the uh, um, kind of more uh, the importance. But also when looking at a label, depending on what your health goals are, let's say that you do have diabetes or Um, you know, pre-diabetes and you're interested in kind of making sure you're not having too many carbohydrates, which are those foods that do break down into sugar. And we know we need some of those. We just kind of want to watch the amount. We may get too many. Um, So you can look at the total carbohydrates. Um, But a new feature of of the labels, one change that's important that I'm really glad that they changed was they now added under the total carbohydrates, they've added the amount of added sugars mm-hmm. and this is really really important because you know we talked about this uh the new dietary guidelines encourage you to have less than 10 percent of your total intake or total calories from added sugars and that translated to 50 grams or less um if you're following a, a, a 2,000 calorie per day diet right mm-hmm. um and so it's important to recognize that added sugars come from so many things not just the words sugar, right? There yes. comes in many, many forms and words. So the next place I would encourage you to look on a label is the ingredients list, right? Um, if the ingredients list is a mile long and you can't pronounce half of what's on there, it's probably not going to be the best option, right? That's, that's telling me that it's really processed um, and has a, a, a lot of additives. Um, you know, the the biggest changes, though, on this new uh, label are really the emphasis of looking at the serving size, 
noticing, noting the, the added sugars um, that are in that, as well as um, they now are required to list um, towards the bottom of the panel where you normally will see vitamins and minerals. It'll, you know, say vitamin C, vitamin A, calcium, iron. Um, they're now required to include those nutrients that we can be lack or more often that we're lacking in. So vitamin D is now a requirement, calcium is a requirement, iron, and potassium. Not mm-hmm. just the percentage, but the actual um, amount in milligrams or micrograms. Yeah. Um, and that can be helpful. That can be helpful for people who follow this for specific health conditions. Yeah, you know, I'm glad that they added those uh, vitamins down there because you know before it was vitamin A, vitamin C, which are great vitamins, but are very rarely a deficiency of either one of those um, in, the, in the American diet because they're they're added to, to most things. So um, I don't think I've ever seen a case actually of um, a vitamin C deficiency, and the only time I've seen a vitamin A deficiency is in um, my patients with cystic fibrosis who have like an absorption, you know, fat soluble vitamin uh, absorption right. problem there. Right. But for the majority of us, if you, you know, if we eat some carrots, um, vitamin right. A is usually not a, not an issue in vitamin C. We find in pretty much all fruits and vegetables. So, um, yeah. All right. Let's go to Byron and talk with Catherine. Good morning, Catherine. How can we help you? Uh, good morning. I just wanted to ask what you guys take on the Subway diet. The Subway diet? Yes, right. ma'am. Are you got- all right, Elena, you're up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> Catherine, please correct me if I'm wrong, but when you say Subway diet, I'm just assuming that you mean kind of like what Jared did and just eat a Subway sandwich twice a day for weight loss? Yeah, I think that's it. I'm I'm looking at it as as well, and yeah. that's, that's what it, it's looking like. So I know my thoughts on that. You tell me your thoughts. Yeah. So my first thought is, you know, if this is helping, if following the subway diet helps you manage your portion control um, and your goal is to, you know, lose weight, then I think that that can be very helpful. But I would encourage you, though, we need to add some variety. So eating, you know, a processed deli sandwich twice a day, um, you know, every day is not ideal. But if it can help you kind of get on in the thought process of, okay, I'm working on my portion control and cutting out some other things, um, unhealthy items. I think that that can be okay. I just wouldn't do it for the long term. Um, And I wouldn't, you know, I really wouldn't do it every day or just use it as a tool as a way to get more veggies, right? So if you normally eat a turkey sandwich, you know, try to find a way that you can add as many vegetables as possible. Um, yeah. But be careful because we add a lot of unhealthy things to those sandwiches, whether they come from Subway or not, um, yeah. with, you know, the oils and mayonnaise, et cetera, and cheeses. And try to choose only one animal source that's going on on that sandwich. So if you get a turkey and cheese sandwich, you know, maybe, you know, I would encourage you to take the cheese off and, again, replace it with as many vegetables as possible. Absolutely. But, yeah, so I googled it um, to make sure that I had all of the all of the details right, and so there's a lot to kind of unpack here. So um, the the subway diet is what we're thinking of, where where um, Jared Fogel uh, lost that kind of massive amount of weight in a year by eating subway. 
um, the, one of the key things that I see here is it says he replaced his 10,000 calorie per day food consumption with a 2,000 calorie diet. So the secret there mm-hmm. is that it, it wasn't anything special about the subway. It was just the massive amount of right. calorie restriction that went in there. Right. You know, right. Um, 10,000 calories per day is yeah. quite a lot, a lot of calories. And so well, and really any form of calorie reduction would have worked yeah. there. I was about to say, spoiler alert, that's how most diets do work. <laughs> right. Even right. Cutting Absolutely. Out a lot of whether you can then, um, you know, get that calorie restriction in a diet that's affordable for you and um, something that you enjoy and that, that's easy for you, you to get, right, um, and yeah. where you're not starving. So uh, it says he used one small turkey sub and one large veggie, veggie sub along with some baked potato chips and a diet soda. So while he was running a calorie deficit, that wouldn't necessarily be my definition of a um, healthy diet that we should adopt for the for the long term. That's a lot of right. salt actually, in that, that yeah. meal going on there. People tend to not think about bread and baked goods as being yes. salty, but yes. they are. That's one of the ways we make bread, like, puffy. Like, you know, a leavening agent right. is baking powder, which also often has uh, sodium in it, as well as the actual salt that is added to dough. Um, so that, that can be quite salty, as well as the baked potato chips um, having a fair amount of, of salt on there. So, you know, just like you said, if you enjoy Subway, um, then perhaps, but it's going to be a lot of, uh, not a lot of variety and a lot of monotony. And so I would rather see someone adopt um, a diet full of a variety of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and limiting on those animal-based sources, just like you said, that one animal at a time. Um, pulling yeah. that cheese off of that sandwich there. And then I would say instead of those baked chips, let's ask for the apples off of the um, kids' menu. They give them to me all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and, you know, you bring up a good point with the salt. You know, and I think a myth um, is that most people think, oh, well, I don't really eat much salt because I don't use a salt shaker. But just right. like you said, honest, most of the salt that we get is from processed foods, which mm-hmm. bread is definitely um, one of those. But, you know, back to Catherine's question about would you rec- kind of recommend or what do you think about the Subway diet? I, you know, I, oftentimes if someone is in the mindset that they're ready to make some changes and go on a diet to lose weight um, and they've kind of already made up their mind of I, I want to try to I want to try to follow this, I usually say, okay, great. If this is what you want to do for about two weeks to get in the mindset of making those changes, sure, let's start with it. So for you, if that's the Subway diet, Let's do that, but with the mindset and understanding that this is not long-term and we've got to use this just as a tool to help reset um, our thought process around, you know, find ways to get back into real life. Because I don't know about you, but even if you like Subway, nobody wants to eat that every day for the rest of their life. Mm, I sure sure do not. About once or twice a month is all I can can handle on that. Just because I'm not a big sandwich uh, person. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. 
Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart devices podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. My guest today is Dr. Elena Dent, and we've been answering your questions about the new uh, food uh, guidelines and the nutritional guidelines, as well as some of the messaging from uh, National Nutrition Month. We're in the last segment of the show, so if you have a question, now is the time to hop on at one eight seven seven MPB ring. You can always message me over on Facebook at Healthy Habits with Josie. So, Dr. Dent, kind of the two other kind of main points for National Nutrition Month are avoid distractions while eating. And I think the other one goes with it. Take time to enjoy your food, right? And those are two things that, oh, gosh, I wish more people would adopt and um, put into their their diet. So regardless of what you're eating, if we just wouldn't do it in a distracted manner um, and kind of slow down a little bit, um, we would see some health benefits. Oh, I completely agree. And this is something that I work with uh, with patients on all the time, right? And just simply ask, like, what is it when you eat, what do you typically, where are you when you eat or what do you do when you eat? And 99% of the time it's, oh, well, I play on my phone or I'm watching TV. And, you know, so really thinking about do I have a screen that's distracting me first and foremost, which I've, in my opinion is one of the biggest culprits. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, when we're distracted, we tend to, um, we're not paying attention to those cues that our body is telling us that, oh, we're getting full or satisfied. And so we tend to eat more. That's why if you sit in front of the TV with a bag of chips and all of a sudden you're like, wait, where did all these chips go? (laughs) Right. Your brain was a little distracted. Yeah. And, you know, the other one is eating in the car, you know, when you're driving Uh from, from place to place and that it's mindlessly eating mainly because you're just not focused on what the food actually tastes like or um, smells like, you know, those kinds of things. And it takes a little bit of time from the the time that your stomach actually gets full, meaning not full of calories, but full of actual volume of food for it to kind of stretch and send that message to your brain that says, hey, girl, I'm full. So when we eat so quickly, it kind of bypasses that. By the time our brain kind of catches up, um, we've, we've right. overeaten or eaten, you know, way too much and likely not enjoyed it. Um, so right. you know, one, one of my biggest steps for that is um, to avoid getting overly hungry because we tend to eat very, very quickly when yes. we're starving, you know, when we're hangry, we're just shoving it in, trying to make that gnawing pain go away. Right, um, right. So, you know, maybe I, yielding in a snack uh, so that we're not ravenous when mealtime comes um, would yes. be, is, is helpful for folks. Um, right. You know, I see a lot of working uh, people who will eat breakfast, which is great, 
but then they won't eat anything during the day because they're they're working and then by the mm-hmm. time they get to get home they snack a bunch as soon as they walk in the door because they're starving yep. and then go ahead and have a you know a pretty hefty um evening meal as well and your metabolism is on its kind of downward curve by this point in time you know by those latter right. hours of the day you're you're supposed to go to bed and so you don't right. burn as many calories when you're sleeping and yep. and so you know people will say well I don't eat that much during the day well I believe you but when you eat the bulk of your calories at the end of the day and then you get in the bed you probably have not burned through all of those calories by the time breakfast rolls around the next day, depending right. on what you ate and what time you went to sleep. So, you know, timing of meals and not getting kind of ravenous and overeating that way. And then ditching those screens, you know, bring back the family dinner table, you know. Um, and I think, you know, another myth that I see is that, you know, I think people often think, well, I don't have time to really sit down and pay attention to what, I, what I'm what i eating. You know, I'm busy, so my lunch break is, you know, five or ten minutes. And I'm like, we can work with that, right? Mm-hmm. So if during that five or ten minutes, if I can get you for just ten minutes to hide your phone, put it on silent or turning it away and just focus on, okay, well, I have five or 10 minutes. I'm going to learn to start paying attention during that small amount of time. It's not, you know, that is, can definitely make a difference. It's not like you've got to always be able to sit down and eat a 30 minute meal, you know? And, you know, when you get home, if you are hungry, then choose, you know, calorie free beverages, you know, some good old water. Um, And then one of my favorite things is just to cut up an apple. You know, and munch on that that apple while I'm prepping dinner because there's so much fiber in that apple and that um, good, uh, um, actually that good soluble fiber in that apple that you you fill your belly up and you wind up not eating as much at that at that meal because you kind of you you primed your stomach. But when you prime it with um, processed refined out carbohydrates like chips and things like that, those dissolve and digest very, very quickly. So they really don't take up a whole lot of room in that belly. You still got more room right. for other things going on in there. So right. it's, you know, it's really about finding a way to make this fit into your life. You know, a lot of parents of school aged kids are running from one practice to another or game to another. Right. You can still have a family meal you know, in the cargo area of your, your car, but you put your right. phones down, right. you cut your iPads off, you sit and you talk with, you know, talk with your kids, talk with each other. Yeah. Um, and kids that eat with their parents, eat meals with their parents, um, usually consume less calories and also report less mental health problems um, yeah. because they're able to kind of, you know, talk with their parents and share things and learn from each other there. Um, so exactly. my goodness, this hour has flown by always it always does when you get the two of us talking nutrition (laughs) so we didn't even get to talk about my plate oh Um, i know just you know it's a long month i'll get you back anyone yeah that's okay yeah that'll be great I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. 
For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org.